All right, here we go. It is catching up time, and this is an absolute treat. Here we are in a situation where we have been living through COVID-19. We're, what, almost two years in? We're over two years in to this this extravaganza in change and thought and mindset. It's had all sorts of impacts on everything we do. How much thought have you given to education? Well, how much thought have you given to education and students? And how much thought have you given to education, students, and higher education? Whether it be how students are dealing with it, whether it be career options, whether it be, whether it be, whether it be. We are really excited. I'm really excited to welcome to Catching Up, Raneem Nagib and Orsi Urban, two really interesting and diverse professionals in the field of higher education. Raneem is a student counselor at the Canadian University of Dubai, and Orsi Urban is the manager of career services in cooperative education at the Rochester Institute of Technology, also here in Dubai. And we're going to open up this conversation to, well, first I want to welcome you both to the program. Welcome. It's great to have you both here. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. I, I want to I start off our conversation with a, with a really, the, the basic question that I am almost certain that you both get asked by people who know what you do. And that question is, so how are things really going? <laughs> As you both laugh a little bit, how are things really going at the university? How are things really going at the school? We, we can go around and we can get started, but I, that's a question that you, you're certain to be asked. What, what, what do you say? What's your response? So there's a lot of adapting and coming up with new ideas and new ways to do things. So it's thrilling. Um, it starts a lot of conversations on how we can go about certain situations. So it is exciting because we do have to get creative on how to approach a situation. Mm. And there are definitely a lot of gray areas. So we all have to like think of innovative ways um, to kind of manage with the current situation. And we also don't know what to anticipate because it is new. Everything is new, especially with COVID, post-COVID. A lot of changes are happening and we're just, all right, what can we do based on what we know, what's going on, what the regulations are, how the students are feeling, what can be done. So it's exciting in that sense and it's, it's new. So we're trying all these things and to see, does it work? What do we need to tweak? So it's really made you an innovator. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> are you finding the same thing, Marcy? Right. So I believe in very much in the same mindset that it's, it's a lot about how we approach it with the growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And coming from the careers perspective, I find this, this time and era so fascinating because we can really create the future of the workplace that is going to serve everyone better, that we are going to have a more equi equitable workplaces. It's going to be more agile, more innovative and, and workplaces with hybrid work modes. And, and you know, all the, these were just buzzwords. Yeah. And now we are living them. We are forced to live them. And I think there is just a tremendous opportunity here in front of us. And we are living it day by day. The, the one thing that I'm, I'm hearing from both of you, and it, we've just started this conversation, but the one thing I'm hearing from both of you is, there's, there, I'm not hearing pessimism. 
I'm not hearing skepticism. I'm hearing opportunity. I'm hearing excitement. And I'm, I'm hearing what I would love to think we're hearing in all academic institutions, post-secondary institutions, universities is this, this whole mindset of opportunity that has unfolded in front of us. So I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, yeah, to go off of what Orsi shared, um, for me, when we had to shift to online, um, a lot of my sessions or meetings ended up being virtual. So now, even though we're back on campus, you know, if some students prefer, I will have my meetings um, on Zoom or on WebEx. Um, because, you know, before that, I'm like, why didn't I, why, why didn't I do that anyway? Um, so a lot of the things that we learned during the remote setting, I'm still using now. And um, when we did shift to online learning, uh, uh, professors provided recorded sessions of their lectures. And now students have found those so beneficial because <laughs> you can go back, rewatch them, review. If you missed out on something or you need to hear it again to better grasp the information, the recorded sessions are there. So that's something that we still implement now that helps students uh, learn better. So one of the things we're hearing is technology is now being used in a sense to its potential because we had these tools, but we weren't using them. Or see, before we, we turned on the microphones, you were talking about how technology in this whole environment that we've found ourselves in, and not that you're at the Rochester Institute of Technology, but, but the environment that we found ourselves in with COVID has required enormous change in our mindset like at the snap of fingers, which we both, we all know, we all, we're all at educational institutions and most educational institutions are pretty slow mm-hmm. at changing, but COVID necessitated nimbleness and Rochester Institute technology embraced this, especially as we start looking at the career services side and the future side, because that's where the real value of our students lies and where, what do they do when they leave our institutions? You guys are doing something incredible that you wouldn't have thought of five years ago. Right, certainly. So, so when, when the whole wave hit, uh, we came up with different, um, internship options that our students could take because companies were shutting down. So how mm. do you place 200 students? So all these options, it could be research. It could be an, it could be entrepreneurship, technically a mini incubator. Um, or it can be consulting. And, um, and again, it was in front of our very eyes, but we never needed to jump in. And ever since those programs are running and they are running successfully. So, and the whole beauty of, of this change is that this is what really prepares our students to this workforce mm. because it's going to be hybrid. It's, it's going to require on demand skills. It's not. It's requiring us to become learners for our careers because we are going to shift gears. We are going to transition so quickly in the new economy. And I, I love seeing how the students embrace it. Let, let me be the devil's advocate yeah. for just a second. <laughs> Aren't these the things that we were supposed to have been seeing in our students before we entered the COVID era? Mm-hmm. When we talk with those things that you just mentioned. Aren't we, wasn't that always there or is, is, is it just become more highlighted? 
you know, my, my view on this, and again, it's not stats, it's yeah. not a Harvard Business Review. My take on this is that these are becoming more viable options and they are becoming more accepted and they are culturally becoming more accepted. We have heard entrepreneurship, we have heard about work from anywhere. And uh, that was an exotic thing. Wow. <laughs> and now, and it's more and more accepted from parents. And that's the key. Especially here in the Middle East, in Dubai, our students are so fortunate to have been cocooned often with very loving and large family. So career choices are often directed in, in that sense, which is completely fine and, and acceptable. But right now, the uncle and the father and so and so is seeing, oh, wow, someone is an entrepreneur. They make good money. That's a stable living. And someone can build a family on that. Ten years ago, it wasn't in our face as much as today. So for me, what I'm seeing is that parents are more accepting. So if there is any parent listening, <laughs> please give a bit more leeway to your kid. And I know that parents are so well-meaning. They want the best for their kids because they know that engineers and doctors and lawyers will always do well. Yes, but the 21st century is going to demand a different type of engineer, a different type of lawyer, and a different type of doctor. And I love to see that change, not just the student level, but more on family and societal level, in a sense. I, I want to redirect this over to Renine mm -hmm. because the, the question that comes to my mind is, I mean, I think this is awesome. I mean, look, I'm an educator myself. And so, I mean, this is, this is the dream that this is the way our students start thinking and that their families start thinking and we start creating this, this really interesting education cycle for the future, but we're doing it now. My, my question is, and I, I want to fire back to Renim, based on, on what Orsi has just been talking about, is when your students are talking to you, when they're coming to you, because there is some apprehension, you know, the, the environment is, is really thrown everything into a loop in, in that so there's a lot going on and there's been a lot of change and how is this all going to work out? And, 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 and some, some youth, you know, I call my students youth, but some, some are very adept at dealing with this and some are, are struggling because of the cocoon nature, et cetera, et cetera. Do you get a sense that students are ready for this change or they're ready to embrace the change or is is there other things going on that can help us to better direct what we're doing in our end game um definitely um there's more job opportunities um you know with technology uh, progressing and becoming more advanced you there are more majors there are more uh career opportunities, there's a lot more you can do. So it's not usually, um, you know, like business, um, doctor, engineer. There's so many little sub areas, subcategories underneath that they can uh, major in and find a very successful career in. Um, the youth, the younger generation, they're definitely more interested in studying something new, like let's say cybersecurity or um, artificial intelligence. And I think we do need to add all of that in and add opportunities, whether it's internships or careers or classes, because that is where our world is going. Is it stressing them out though, having so much opportunity and so much, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like oh, I'm going to go be an engineer and okay, I've got mechanical engineer, I've got electrical engineering and you know, and that's it. 
structural engineering. But now it's suddenly well. Now we've got a we've got a, a bouquet of twenty different subcategories of engineering. Are students? Do you think they're feeling overwhelmed, stressed, or are they embracing it? They could be overwhelmed um, just because they're going to have to like start thinking outside of the box and, you know, start having these conversations with their family members as to why they would want to study this. This is what they're passionate about. Mm. Um, But it is exciting because a lot of them will have like a specific interest and then there are certain classes or um, concentrations or majors that they can uh, take uh, to, to be able to build on that. So it could be stressful in the sense of kind of getting their family on board <laughs> or the person that's paying their tuition on board. Yeah. Um, but it, I've noticed um, now, like we're in 2021, most people are open to studying something different. Um, you know, as long as you have like that conversation um, and the the student is passionate about it. Like if you're passionate about whatever it is that you're doing, you will do well. I, you know, it's 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 almost like we're seeing a tectonic shift in two years ago, our universities were the same institutions that our parents went to. And now they're not the same institution anymore. No, no. And the the economy is changing. So I loved I love what Renee mentioned that that, you know, passion. And there is actually a term, it's called the passion economy. Mm-hmm. making money with something you like and you're good at. And and I just love that concept of it's it's not a set track for life and then you retire and that's it. Um and, and we're and we're teaching that. I mean this this to me becomes this is that 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 end of the rainbow where we we're no longer and it's almost like we've had a, a kind of a clean break. And I'd love to get your opinions on this, but a kind of a clean break where parents and many, many of our students have parents who've been in a job and they've been in it for 25 years and they spent their whole life working for the same bank or the same engineering company or the same mall. And our students have been looking at that model and saying, well, okay, this is the model, but they've been hearing, well, you know, you've got to be more nimble and you could have four or five jobs in your life and you got to do it. And we didn't have the switch. We never had that opportunity to sort of say, okay, now we can start thinking in the alternative way that we've been talking about, which is no longer the alternative. This break has come. Right, right. That, that's the reality. Like The reality is that you have to have a, a range of skill sets and that is going to make you unique on the workforce. At the same time, we, we're talking about all positive and that's true, but I don't want to, you know, there are put some, the challenges yeah. under the rug because, because all this flexibility and all the choice, all the freedom comes with responsibility it stresses me out at times yeah and then you know thinking and also as someone who is like just graduating 22 23 and and naturally like these students or that generation has grown up with like instagram likes and zomato and gets what a career or the passion economy isn't going to work like zomato like (laughs) is it with double cheese let's click and order in um so what I find um, challenging, and perhaps Renine can can share your thoughts as well, that patience, like these choices, I mean, it needs cultivation. Yes, maybe someone is going to start off with a corporate career, with a passion on the side for 
AI or security or, or something, and then they're going to build it over time. And for this is what I'm seeing as a challenge in terms of career services that it really needs um, um, a, it really needs certain amount of time and learning and failing and learning and developing. Oh, and that must be that's a challenge, I suppose. So I'm hearing these things: patience, <laughs> over time, learning, failing. And I'm looking over at Neem because I'm going, the, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but these are not the things when I think of, of students today, and I'm thinking of my own son who's, who's graduating. And those words, when you put them on him and he says, what am I going to do with my career? He can't fail. He's thinking to himself, I can't fail. I don't have time. And, and, you know, and, and as a parent and as an educator, I'm saying, no, no, you've got lots of, no, no, I don't have time. And there's, <laughs> are, are you finding that there's, there's, there's sort of underneath the surface and of all this opportunity, there's a little bit of stress with students? Yeah, there's stress, but this is the time for it. That's when you're figuring yourself out what you want to do. You're going to try something. It's not going to work out. You're figuring out what your skills, your strengths are. Um, you can take some assessments that kind of help you. Uh, find out what you're good at, what uh, what career would be best for you based on your personality, your strengths, your skills. This is definitely the time for it because if you don't do it now, if you're not failing now or experiencing uh, different things now, you know, you, you kind of, you don't want to figure, I mean, you might be doing it when you're 40, 50 or 60 and say, you know, I think I want to do something new, but this is the time for it. Mm-hmm. How, how do we, how do we activate that? I mean, it, it sounds good. Is, is it working? Are students internalizing this idea that, yeah, we can fail? I, I suppose it's a lot about choosing role models. Ah. So, for example, when at RIT, we have an initiative, it's called Career Tuesdays. So, we would invite alumni and we would invite students. And we are very conscious of not just putting forward, oh, this is the perfect, perfect student with the perfect track record with the perfect company. And he has always known what he wanted to do. He is going to be the CEO and then he's going to retire. <laughs> this is the old story. I mean, I mean, it, then this is yeah. good, but that's one option in the past. That was the only option. And today that's one option. And we are very conscious of showcasing through these discussions that, oh, so-and-so did first internship here, second internship there. Guess what? He didn't like neither completely fine because then we start eliminating. Well, and, that, and that's kind of the thing that, I, I mean, I love that aspect of, of internships. And I'm, I'm so glad that internships have really become the norm now. But I, I meet so many students who somehow in their mind that I'm going to go to this internship. This internship is going to lead to a job. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. And then when I meet those students who, who then start stressing a little bit and they're, if they'll talk about it, which sometimes is, I don't want to, I don't want to admit maybe I failed at what I wanted to do, but they do need to do that. But ultimately they might go to that internship. And then for me, a, a total successful internship could also be one where someone realizes this is absolutely not what I want to do. Right. And getting them to realize that that's the purpose is to sort of get a taste of the job market to realize, oh yeah, I got out there and now I realize that my degree didn't actually, it's, it's given me a foundation, but not for these other things. And you know what? I really don't like event management, 
but I really do like working in PR as a, you know, d- documentarian or something. Right, right. And it could be, I love my degree. I love, I love PR, but maybe not in a multinational. I, I would love to do it as an entrepreneur or vice versa. So you might be at the perfect degree. You just need a different environment to mm-hmm. thrive. And, um, I suppose it's a lot about role models, these conversations, these podcasts, where we just normalize, normalize trying. Mm. And I can encourage anyone, any type, anyone who is listening, just try. <laughs> try. Because if you don't try, you'll stick to the same things. How do we get, how do we get our, our students to communicate what they're feeling, what they're thinking? I, I think at some point, they, especially as they get closer to graduating, I, I mean, I'm just making, I, I, don't, I don't know this. I've got no scientific evidence. But there's that, that feeling that I need to be prepared. I need to show this strength and I'm ready to enter the work world. How do we get them to communicate some of their apprehensions? And those apprehensions that they're communicating to you, Raneem, also help Orsi as, mm-hmm. as you're working to create the perfect environment for them to experiment and see what's going on. I think there's quite a link there, but how do we get them to talk more about these things so that we can do a better job? Um, so uh, we do promote our counseling services, whether it's through email or social media or like a kind reminder. I also reach out to the new students because they are a group that's at risk and they're also trying to figure it out, uh, figure it out and they're trying to transition smoothly into university. So they might, you know, have these questions, apprehensions and they're nervous and they don't know what's going to happen or they don't know if they like their major and it's okay to switch your major and try something new. Um, we have also uh, student clubs like the wellness club, the psychology club. So they also help us promote, um, mental well-being and mental health because sometimes you know when the adults are talking about it uh, they're not the students may not be as receptive as if they would hear it from another student that may seem more relatable uh, so these clubs are like active to promote uh, mental health um I actually noticed uh, post-COVID, I had a lot of students reaching out to me oh. or emailing for an appointment. And I was like, this is a little suspicious. <laughs> What's going on? I was like, there wasn't an email sent. I wasn't on social media. So how are they finding me? So it was through word of mouth. Um, but I also noticed that students are still stressed. So even though COVID-19 isn't as big as a threat as it was you know, uh, you know, a year ago or a couple of months ago, the impacts are still there. They're still lingering. So stu- uh, students are still dealing with the after effects. Um, and I am glad that they're reaching out because, uh, you know, we would be worried that, um, you know, about the stigma or they're scared to reach out, but they're able to. And let's say if I want to make a referral with a psychologist, the wait time unfortunately can be up to six to eight weeks. Wow, that's long. But yeah, it's very long. But I'm like, okay, that means these like mental health clinics, they're busy and people are reaching out and they are taking care of their mental health and finding ways um, to feel better. Um, but yeah, students have been reaching out, which I am glad they are. <laughs> so you find they're talking more. They, the, yes. again, they've, the, the stigma of asking for some help to ask some questions yes. to sort things through. Yes. Um, it's been removed. Yeah, I've noticed with the younger generation, Gen Z, they're more open about talking about these things, which is wonderful. Um, I know sometimes like the older generation is like, whoa, they're oversharing. We like to keep these things <laughs> private. Um, you know, don't, uh, you know, our, 
personal stuff. Don't let it like get out there. But now they're more open to speaking about it and they're supporting each other and they're feeling like, hey, I'm not alone. We all feel this way. We're like, <laughs> we're in this boat together. And sometimes like if, you know, if they maybe they don't want to speak to a counselor, they have these students. So we have these clubs where students can speak to another student about their own experience. And it helps out. We had um, talking tent Tuesdays where we set up a tent and the students go and they like chat and, you know, they talk about like what they're going through and it helps them. Cause again, sometimes when you're going through a struggle, you feel like I'm the only one, but it's all of us. And then yeah. us as like staff and like professionals, you know, we're also going through what they're going through. Like, um, with, you know, a lot of the impacts that they're facing, whether it's, um, job security or insecurity or finances or um, just, you know, certain anxiety, anxieties we have that uh, have to do with COVID. We're also face, uh, we're also experiencing it too. So it's also interesting when I'm like sitting with students and I'm hearing it, you know, sometimes I want to be like, yeah, me too, but I don't say, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this, this shift in students being more open to communicating, are you finding that this also translates into your domain where students are more open about what are my expectations from this, this placement or this internship or this, this end, end of, you know, my, my end of my academic career, are they talking more about what they're apprehensive about and helping you to better craft those experiences for them? Mm -hmm. So I believe students have always been very vocal. They have a wish list <laughs> in terms of, oh, this, this is the placement. Is it, do they have an unrealistic wish list? But they, they, they don't know what they don't know. So that's right. completely normal. Have an unrealistic wish list and then try. <laughs> and then real life is going to show you what is realistic at that stage. And, and you know, we don't listen. That's fine. In your twenties, you just don't listen. That's a default. Um, and that's, that's fine. And later you learn that there is some value in it. In terms of health and mental health, that conversation really, um, is becoming part of the workplaces as well. So that's the, which is beauty. a big change, isn't that, it? That's a big change. So when students join companies or graduates join companies and even earlier in, in the career prep courses, we do talk about it. We do talk about mental health, naturally not in a counseling manner, yeah. but okay, watch out for this and so on and so on. And managers and line managers are way more open to these discussions saying, I need two days off for, you know, just for mental health. Yeah. And suddenly it's, thankfully, it, it's normal. It's, it's become normal. How, how, how do we bridge that sort of the new normal that we keep talking about, which drives me nuts because it suggests that this isn't just the way it's going to have to be. How do we, how do we work to make you know, to, to set the groundwork that this kind of openness that we're getting doesn't start to just trickle back to, well, the way we used to do it, which I, I in some students I talk to, they, I, I get a sense that they're, they, they really like the way things have evolved and they worry because the structures of the way it was are still there that the evolution is going to slowly pivot back to the way that it was. It is a, you know, 
No, yeah. no, or, no, no. Or see you're shaking your head. No, no that's not going to happen. No, no, it's not going to happen. Simply because not possible. No, no, because uh, because everything has been disrupted so much, and very possibly we are going to reach to an equilibrium somewhere, and um, naturally, like all those you know monstrums, the the big multinational companies that work with certain capital, they cannot change their corporate structure from one day to another. But their hiring is very interesting because now they started to outsource, and this is what we call the on-demand workforce. Mm. They they need an innovative idea, and there are multiple websites that that work towards it, like Upwork. Um, it's like cr- technically crowdsourcing innovative ideas, and I just love to see it. So technically, you can be uh, you can be a freelancer. And then you can work for different companies for those different projects and you can make a very decent living while you are flexible. So, so that's the extreme end, the two extremes. Yeah. And then, and also the workforce. I truly believe that, or I hope so, <laughs> that we are going to reach to a hybrid model and uh, where we are going to have the workplace as as a culture place, because you you have to keep up the the culture, it's innovation and learning, because you can do the work from anywhere, it was mm. proven. But you still need that tribe in that company that's also proven, we need human contact. And there is going to be a sweet spot there. So we haven't quite found that sweet spot yet. I mean, I get the sense that there's a sweet spot and where do we get, because we've, we've had the hybrid, we've got, we got visions of the hybrid, but we've had that not working in the office, some people in the office, so there's we're, we're it's some space. I think we're still trying to figure it out, and we've got this opportunity, and it's. I I often wonder, looking at our students as they're looking at this change, and fortunately they like change or they they tend to adapt to it well. The, the the thing that keeps coming back in my head is the parents talking in the background saying, ah, well, you know, you've got to be thinking about work like this way because this is the way I always... Mm-hmm. And how that messes with our, our students' minds. I picked up on uh, one thing that you had mentioned when you were talking about mental health in the workforce. And with that, uh, even in the university, I do think one day it should be mandatory that... We offer a life skills class or a mental health class because while we do go to um, university to study our major, it is important for us to also learn professional development and personal development. And I do that's important where we're incorporating mental health and mental wellness in our universities as opposed to it being an extra thing on the side for the, the ones that ask for it because... If you speak to a counselor or a therapist, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a disorder. It's just, I want to improve something. I'm facing this challenge. I'm facing this obstacle. I want a better way to go about this situation. Um, so hopefully that can happen in the new future. Um, because when you are in a university, you're not, you, you're not, you can't be defined by your GPA only. Um, you know, you learn a lot of skills. Um, you know, how to reach, uh, deadlines. Proper, uh, problem uh, resolution, um, how to, you know, go about a situation you don't like, but you have to do it anyway, how to commit to something for four years or five years or however long. Um, and the other thing I wanted to add on to is uh, 
switching to a hybrid model. I know um, I do offer the virtual sessions, but me as a student counselor or I do prefer face-to-face um, just because um, when a student comes in, they can like look around the office. Oh, what's this? What's that? And it's a good way to break the ice. I remember when I was at home and I was doing the counseling sessions, um, you know, I had to like, it was a little bit awkward. Um, some students didn't have, like they were at home, so they didn't have their privacy. So they, it was kind of like, a, you know, they had to go outside or they had to go somewhere. So when I had my physical space, I found it so beneficial for me. Um, I know now there's like telecounseling um, where people are offering remote counseling. I wasn't so, I was, I liked it, but I wasn't too much of a fan of it. Um, so I think it also like depends on uh, different careers. I'm like, because I did, I was not a tech savvy person. So when we shifted to online, I had to like force myself to be like more tech savvy and figure out how to work all this stuff. Um, so I'm glad because I definitely was able to improve my practices. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of uh, careers can be remote. And so can mine, but I feel like I may struggle with it because I like the face-to-face um, uh, sessions. Or if I'm like on campus, a student can just like walk past and like if I'm free, they can just drop in as opposed to like, hey, I need to set up an appointment because <laughs> they get like really nervous. Like when I get like emails from students, they're like, hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but I want to set up an appointment. I'm like, it's never a bother. This is my job. I'm like so happy you're reaching uh-huh. out. <laughs> This this whole idea of the hybrid nature of things and, and how it increases that communication process. I want to flip it a little bit and look at this. I want to go back to the, the internship idea or the, the finishing off our degrees. And because we've now got this technological, we, we accept the technology that allows us not necessarily to always be in situation is everyone, do you find that employers, this are, 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 because they want innovators and they are looking at the, the new way things are changing and within their own organizations. Is, is this something that they're very, they're, they're really pushing and promoting being able to work from another location and maybe only come into the office once a week or never? And the, the follow up to that question is does this open up a great opportunity where suddenly when we're looking at our students and this could maybe stress them out a little bit but we're looking at our students in you know two years ago if i'm doing an internship probably unless it's some international aspect to it i'm doing it here mm-hmm. whereas now i could be doing my internship in buffalo new york really mm-hmm. if, and, and be here if i can if i can wangle the time or what we're doing I mean, you, there's no borders anymore. Right. And there are so many questions. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. So I'm going to sit back and uh, it's all you, Arcee. <laughs> so what we have seen, so at RIT, for example, we, we placed students in, in IBM, in the U.S. headquarters. And then but they're they, here. they worked remotely yeah. over the summer. And these are all, again, um, iteration. And we are seeing what works, what doesn't work. And what, what, what were the challenges for, for so those naturally students? the time difference, yeah. right? Because it's it's um, so the students started to work like six p.m. ish yeah, yeah. here Dubai time, um, and at the same time, in terms of learning curve, in terms of development, 
we have seen we have seen a very good growth, a very mm. good outcome. And and I'm not saying naturally there is it would be healthier if there is some part of face to face and hybrid. So there that that would be a, the ideal mix. But we wouldn't have done it three years back. No. And it's it's just mind blowing that yeah, like at the R and D team in IBM, as like yeah, as an undergrad from from Dubai, that that is um, it looks that, nice on a CV. That's pretty amazing, <laughs> and you know all the companies that you can join or have a sneak peek. Um, what was the other question? Well, I would, let's stay there for a second because. Do you, are, are you finding those students who are put into that situation? Because even working for IBM and R&D, I mean, I've, I've dealt with IBM before and as much as they're innovative and exciting, they're very rigid. And, and I, I wonder, again, I'm, I'm really, the thing that keeps coming back to my mind is how are our students adapting to this, this thought process and how are they juggling it and, and how are they dealing with the stressors? And, and in one breath, as you said, it's great that, they can do it. And the next breath, there's a whole bunch of pressure now on me because I'm not just in a regional office. Mm-hmm. I'm at big blue and I'm at HQ and I've got to, I've, I've got to perform For and, sure. I, and I can't walk by the desk and say, okay, I just got a little question about this. That requires making an appointment. Get, I, I mean, it's, I, I'm just curious how that process is, you know, what, what, what's being learned on both sides from, mm-hmm. from you guys at RIT, what the students are saying and, and how this is, is really helping to, to mold the experience. Right. So certainly you picked up on a very good point because students did find it intimidating. You know, okay, there is a team meeting and I'm the most ever junior and I don't understand the majority of whatever they are saying. And then that's the learning curve. You have to do your research. You have to learn all the acronyms or whatever those people are saying. Um, At the same time, what I, what I always find, even if it's work relation, a work relationship or internships, it's always a two way street. Mm. So if a student is proactive and saying, great, I'm getting tasks through this software, or this is what we're working on, but I need some extra help. This is when it's going to be successful. So that proactive and growth mindset, instead of sitting back saying, oh, I feel so (laughs) sorry for myself because I'm here and there are so many hours away and I cannot see them, then it's just embracing it. And there is no problem if someone wants that hand-holding face-to-face in the same office. But I suppose the choices should be way more conscious. Mm. And again, trying. Figure out, it's only three months. It's not a long time in our lives. Figure out, okay, if if it doesn't work for you and you know it's because of the setup, then try something something else next summer. Is Reneem, is that scenario something that you've got students knocking on your door who are, you know, in a, in a sense saying, how do I deal with this? And who do I, what should I do? Yes. Because they, they you know, as much as they want to go to Orsi and say, Hey, I'm having some issues, but they don't want to let you down. And they kind of, you know, the, I think this, this to me becomes that interesting point of, again, how do we enable this, this communication so that we can make the the whole experience better for everyone by, in a sense, giving the student that permission to 
communicate these things. Right. I love that Orsi mentioned twice, at least that I counted the growth mindset. Yeah. Um, cause that has us try and adapt. Um, because the only thing we can guarantee in life is change and we have no choice but to adapt and learn and adjust our ways because it's going to happen. If we have a fixed mindset, we're not going to be accepting of anything that comes our way. So we're going to have to try something, fail, um, ask questions, learn how to move forward, what to do differently the next time. If this didn't go well, okay. What can we do now? What did we, what lesson did we learn? What is the silver lining? Um, how can we change our upcoming, um, behavior so that we kind of avoid this and start, um, improving, um, maybe getting a good internship or, uh, no, not a good, like a better <laughs> internship or a, a better fit for you. Um, or, you know, certain things that we have to change within ourselves or in our, or in our environment, if we're able to, just so that, you know, we're also adapting and moving forward and we're not going to say, well, things are changing. I can't keep up. We have to keep up <laughs> or else, you know, if we stay in our comfort zone, nothing changes. We just kind of fall behind. I think that that's an interesting before we move on from that, but that's an interesting term that you, that you used a good internship. And I know, I know, I know you crinkled your face a little bit, you know, when you, you know, kind of did that thing because, but I hear this all the time as well. And it, managing expectations and, and getting students to understand that good does what a good internship depends on so many things or see, how do you deal with that? And I have just rolled my eyes. Yeah, you rolled your eyes like a good internship. I was like, <laughs> what a subjective term. Because what what is good to me might be not, someone else might not find it. You know, right. It and there is, again, I would circle back to the time element. Yeah. Because that, that might be an experience. And three years down the line, someone looks back at it and they are going to say, that was a good internship because yeah. I learned I love working in an uh, in an entrepreneurial environment in a small team where i can wear multiple hats or it was a good internship because i figured i don't like to have a micromanaging manager they might not use these words right. but that's a, a good in for me what i would suggest is after 7 years in career services <laughs> i would say that a good internship is somewhere you learn Mm. You learn and grow and it depends. Again, it's a two-way street. If the internship is not a two-way street, that's not a good internship. We need input from the student. We need input from the employer or the line manager. And as long as there is a back and forth open communication, let it be mental health, work challenges, or clicking lie right or left, um, as long as it's there and if there is a thorn, learning thriving environment, it's a good internship, mm. regardless of pay and regardless of shining office or because we're learning, as Ronnie mentioned, these are life skills. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the core of this whole, whole discussion, isn't it? It's, it's how do we make these life skills? How do we internalize them? How do we relate to them? How do we accept them? How do we see them for what they are? And, put the appropriate expectations on them. I, I've got a great question that, that I think could go on for hours, but this is, this is an interesting one because when I, when I think of our academic institutions, we've got at least four, maybe five stakeholders. So you, we've got our students, we've got our administration, we've got our faculty, and then let's put in the, the industry that is, is 
thriving or feeding mm-hmm. off of our students. So well, let's say there's four. And the community. Point. And there's five. So we got five. In your experiences, and we can, you know, again, interrupt each other and jump in and out, but in your experience, how, what, what do you think we need to be thinking now so that these five different stakeholders are working together to ultimately get to that end result, which is graduating our students so that they will be thriving, inquisitive, innovative, willing to make mistakes, willing to relearn. And I, and I, I say this because when I'm thinking of these five stakeholder groups, in, in one breath, I kind of think of myself and some of the, so as a stakeholder group, I put myself in with the faculty and the administration, the faculty of institutions can sometimes be a little bit different. And then the community can think a little bit differently about the role of the university and et cetera. What, what, from your vantage points, what do we need to start doing? What can we start putting in place so that all of these stakeholder groups are somewhere on the same plane that there isn't necessarily diversity between them, but they're working more harmoniously. Well, I, I love this ideal wish list. <laughs> and perhaps my recommendation would be managing expectations here, right? <laughs> um, so I always believe that we prepare our students for the future. And if we prepare them for the present, we fail them flat mm. out. Mm. And it always comes from industry because... So industry is the leader, really. Industry is the leader in terms of telling us what I'm going to need tomorrow. If I'm going to hire a student this time next year, this is the skill set. Start developing students with this skill set. And it's it's a lot through industry collaborations and, and advisory boards. And this is where... It all works because then industry starts working with faculty as well. And it all um, trickles down to students that level. And, but of course, I come, I have the career services hat. So (laughs) other people would would give different angles. Well, what would, what would the, what would, what would the sort of the other side of career services, what would, what would that hat? If you, so take off one hat, put on the other hat, what might someone who's more career service, you know, aligned, what what might their thought be? Oh, this, this was the career okay. services aligned, absolutely, industry. Because at the end of the day, we prepare, or not necessarily a company, but, yeah. but the skill set mm. that the students would need this time next year. How, how do we get even just the institution to buy into that? And, I, and, and when I say that, I said, sure, there's the administration side, there's the faculty side. How, how do we get all of them thinking? I mean, we, we talk it, but do we believe it? How do we get that to happen? I work in I work in a in an engineering and technology university. So for us, there there, there is no choice. Mm. Like if a company tells you this is going, if you we have computing security students, we teach AI to technically all majors, regardless, and and the skill set just needs to be there. It's mm. non negotiable. Non-negotiable. It's non negotiable, and that's that's the beauty. Like no one questions it. So, so then let, let me flip it just slightly different because RIT is a very specific institution that if, if we're not keeping up with AI and we're not keeping up with AR and, 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 you know, 
online security issues, then your students will never be marketable and you might as well close up your doors. But there are other institutions globally that might be more, let's, let's put them under the term liberal arts, a more liberal arts oriented organization. What kind of lessons could they take from you guys? And, and I'm not saying that they've got something to fire at CUD or ZU where I am, et (laughs) cetera. But what, what I'm just thinking, what, what are some of those lessons that we might be able to mm-hmm. apply? What I would suggest, again, career services yeah, yeah. that's on, is teaching life skills. But in terms of showing different career options and teaching more finance basics, because mm-hmm. you never know where you're going to end up with the liberal arts degree. And by the way, those people are so successful in consulting because they don't have a, a preset thinking in terms of, oh, this is how a consulting project should go. They are very, very successful. So, but they also need to couple that very liberal or flexible mindset with some type of grounding in terms Mm. of, okay, this is how life works. These are the different taxation systems. So that you would normally learn through other majors. So that's, this is, I think, again, just circling back, these, these are there is a range of skill set that is going to make us successful in the 21st century. Have that beautiful design mindset and have or hire someone <laughs> who is going to manage the business for you. Mm-hmm. Being able to ask the right questions. Um, so after you asked that question, um, in my head, I was like, okay, we find a middle ground between all these stakeholders <laughs> and then well, where's the answer? And I'm like, Oh my, her answer is practical. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like going with this wish list. I'm like, okay, so we find a meeting ground with everybody. What do they need? Um, where are they at? And find something that brings everybody together. But I understand that would be difficult where each stakeholder would kind of um, uh, educate the other ones on what they need or where they're at. Um, because we all have to make changes. We also have to consider that the younger generation is part of a different generation with different ways of going about life. And then we understand in education, we also have to revamp it where we need to make it more interactive, where it's not going to be the traditional way, where there's going to be a lecture for three hours and a presentation. We need to add more to it. Um, and then you had mentioned how internships are also changing, where we're changing the skills that students need to be successful in the future. So everybody is involved. Um, so finding that meeting ground, so not one stakeholder is making this huge shift, where we find a middle ground. I do think your way is more practical, but it may face some resistance from other stakeholders that are not there yet. They're like, wait, what? This is new to me. (laughs) Right, right. And here, my challenge is always that we don't know what we don't know. We don't, and this is what I often tell students. I love that. I love that saying, we don't know what we don't know. And and it's just so humbling. And, And also when I give career advice, I'm like, listen, this is, I'm telling you this advice, take it or leave it. Um, and, and being inside, you know, super humble that, okay, this is based on my experience right here, right now, but I don't know what I don't know. And, and for students, it's so hard to grasp this concept <laughs> because I know everything. I'm about to graduate. What are you saying to me? Yeah. Um, so that brings some humbleness and, and also in terms of navigating the new normal or the beautiful future or whatever we call it. 
It's just we don't know what we don't know. And we discover day by day with an accelerated speed and hopefully with more and more enthusiasm. And we create a world that is going to serve everyone better in terms of mental health, in terms of work. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people. And, and I, I, I'd like to say I could put you both into this box. I hate boxes, but let's 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 use the box as as sort of a way to visualize this. Who five years ago couldn't imagine that we're in this place now where we are, looking at how our organizations were developing and how we were teaching and how we're working with students. COVID comes, instant change is needed. And from this conversation, that change is going away. In fact, this change is in a sense opened up the floodgate to changing things and working in a different way. We're, if you were to put your hands on the crystal ball and, and look ahead to the next, let's, let's look like in the, in, the, in the far future, five years, because the future now is like yearly. But if we look at a five years down the road, given what you're seeing now, given what you're hearing now, given what you're experiencing now today, what do you think things are going to look like in the academy then? I think there's going to be a lot of reformation. There's going to be software development. These are maybe the it careers, the new engineer, the new doctor. Um, just because this this is where our world is going. And if we don't make those adjustments, we end up falling behind. Um, I know there's a, I don't know too much about it, but I know there's vocational, uh, is it vocational uh-huh. schools? Yeah, sure. Where students right away, they're just learning these skills from the start and it per- better prepares them for the workforce. So if we can add more training um, and- More folk, practical training. More practical training that may be beneficial. I'm not sure where we'll be in five <laughs> years. <laughs> right, right. So I come from the practical angle yeah. and what I foresee is that leading universities are going to see the benefit of the ecosystem. Mm industry, um, legal entities, anyone around them. It's not going to be a standalone university as such, but it's going to be powered by so many stakeholders around. And that I foresee that the future of universities, not just giving degrees and, and students and education, but that is that should be an open innovation system. Mm. And and now it's no one succeeds alone. Like if if you look at neither business nor universities, no one. It's it's the ecosystem. And now data is coming that, okay, this is the ecosystem. It's time for the ecosystems. And I'm so excited to see that. <laughs> I like that a lot. That's, you know, you're just, you're incorporating or integrating the university into everything else where it's yeah. not just, this is a degree. It's, yeah. in, I like that a lot. Kind I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah. pulling down the walls a little bit. Oh yes, a hundred percent. Academia had that, yeah. Those walls, those, oh yeah. no, we know better and we are in that high tower and from afar we tell you the truth. That worked, that worked, that has, that had a certain system, but 21st century, it, it won't work. And you already see universities shifting gears so quickly, especially in Dubai. We're in a very good place for higher education, but also in Europe. Like the successful universities are moving so fast in that direction. It's it's almost like 
these these organizations, these universities, it, it the, the map is being redrawn, and you've got those that can't break free from the way it's always been, and those that are looking at things going. We have an opportunity to be entrepreneurial again. We have an opportunity to recast how we're represented and how we're accepted within a, a more global society, and that that almost like that hub and spoke system that some airports have now gotten rid of and some air carriers have gotten rid of. But in, in our university and education system, that, that suddenly works really well again mm-hmm. and, yeah. and opens up opportunity for, again, collaboration and, right. and innovation. And yeah. diversity. So it's, it's all the driving force. That should come together in the future. We've had a great conversation. What have we missed? <laughs> what, have, what, have we not got, what, what have we not spoken about? We've gone all over the place here. Orsi. What have we missed? Try. <laughs> just try. <laughs> just, just try. Try. And that's it. And just remember, we don't know what we don't know. I think when, when what you're saying, I don't know if you ever watch any Gary Vaynerchuk videos, Gary V. If you've never watched any Gary V, you need to watch some Gary V. Uh, emigrated to the U.S. from the Soviet Union, Polish family background, didn't speak English when he moved to the U.S. He was young. Multimillionaire running Viner Media wants to buy the New York Jets, and his message to youth is exactly what you're saying, and and to those graduates, keep trying. Yeah, don't let try. people tell you you can't do it because they don't know you. And if you fail, you're young. Try again. <laughs> That's his message over and over and over again. That's exactly what you're saying. It's right. Try plus one addition. Yeah. You know, keep your feet on the ground. Keep your feet on the ground because we are all responsible for our ecosystems, for our families. So when it's time for us to contribute and to earn money, even if that's not the perfect or the good internship or the good job, whatever that might yeah, be. Yeah. So I suppose there is um, there is a learning, but that's the healthy learning. So follow your heart and keep, keep you know, bring the head with you. I agree. There's keep getting back up again. And these are like, if you're not something, if you're not in a challenging situation, then you're not growing and you're not learning. So mm-hmm. one thing to look forward to, if something's hard, that's an opportunity for you to grow. And this was a wonderful conversation. Um, great topics. I learned a lot. I enjoyed this a lot. <laughs> Ladies, I want to, I want to so thank much. you. I want to thank you both for doing this. This was, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I hope that we can sort of maybe do a checkup every now and then drop Great. in and wonderful have a chat <laughs> and, and maybe maybe we just all show up at RIT and we sit around a table and, and we do that and maybe we go over to CUD and do the same thing and yes you're welcome and <laughs> thank you very much thank, thank you. you you've been listening to Catching Up I've been joined today by Raneem Negeb she is at the Canadian University of Dubai she's a student counselor and Orsi Urban she's the manager of career services and corporate cooperative corporate cooperative education at the Rochester Institute of Technology here in Dubai Thank you very much for listening. So long for now.